for them. I'm 100% certain they're going to pull it off. It'll be spectacular. Uh, yes. Okay, so we're going to talk about your movies. Oh, okay. Because you make movies. I do, uh, on occasion. Uh, you know, I used to make movies just, uh, well, I had really, I had two reasons for making movies. One was, um, uh, one was to attend film festivals and, and the other one was, uh, to, to try to meet women and, and get laid. I mean, let's, if we're all honest and that's really why we, we make films is to, to gain sexual access as my sociology professor would, would have said. Um, <laughs> and then when you are dating somebody, you have to make just enough movies so they're still impressed with you. So they stay loyal. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, that's healthy. Sure. Oh yeah. Very healthy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, y- y'all have screened, uh, what, four? Well, you would have screened four of my films. Uh, you screened three. Uh, the fourth one will possibly, hopefully, still happen in August, uh, the Tall Bike Joust. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been very appreciative. Um, it's funny, the first, uh, the first one I made was the... Um, was uh, the Cardboard Boat Race, Cardboard Titanics, and... Um, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was going through the festivals deciding where to submit, uh, one of the one of the things I would look at would be the festival's website and see how many stars they featured. Uh, like, oh, this celebrity is going, this celebrity is going. Well, you know, I'm not a celebrity. My film is about, you know, uh, mechanics and stem cell researchers who make cardboard boats and race them, get in them and race them half, halfway across a lake in Alabama. This is like the least Hollywood kind of thing you could do. And, and, um, and Cinequest website had all these pictures of celebrities in it, and I kept very careful notes in my spreadsheet. And the notes said, too many stars, save your money. Uh, so I didn't submit. And then the next year I decided, well, what the hell? Uh, I'll submit, and I actually made a sequel to the Cardboard Boat Race. They did it again. It was called Cardboard Titanic, Smart People Being Stupid. And and apparently, you were the one who screened it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard a story about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was one of those moments that's like, I got to show this because this is awesome. <laughs> One of the one of the great things though is I rewatched it recently, oh, and geez. I was like, uh, "Yeah, there's a lot of great there's a lot of great stuff here, and the, all the underlying stuff. It's like everything that defines a Sanford Junior film to me is in this." <laughs> and then I I stopped for a second and I said, "He has a genre." <laughs> um, I was like, "Yeah," which now, as I understand it, you're doing a series. Yeah, well, that's. Uh, I always thought the name of the series should be uh, "Smart People Being Stupid," and um, and so that was actually in the the title for the second film. And my thought was, okay, well, you know, I've I've done I've, I've done a few of these now. Let's let's kind of market the series. And uh, but while I was doing that, I still uh, made other ones. But yeah, so the idea is uh, hopefully for either streaming or cable some, you know, in, in some fashion, or, I mean, I could produce it myself and put it on YouTube, but I really would prefer not to do that. But the idea is 
um, is a show like that. It would be called Smart People Being Stupid. And the idea is that you find intelligent and successful people from different walks of life who do something silly and random on their day off because they're alive and they still can. And, um, you know, there is this undertone of, um, well, you know, rather than kind of sitting around, uh, say, watching football and farting on the couch, you know, or, you know, any other typical weekend, you're doing something that's very different and is a total curveball. And you'll remember that day for the rest of your life as opposed to just another day sitting around doing, you know, well, I don't want to curse, but doing not much of anything of any great interest. <laughs> doing crap all, I guess I would say. Um, I mean, everybody who's done one of these events that I've, I've, I've made a film of, whether it's the cardboard boat ride uh, race, the ghost pepper eating contest, or the most recently the tall bicycle joust, you will remember every part of that day. Um, and it's a special day. And so the idea of, of, these, uh, of these films is to highlight that and kind of point out to people that um, this is really living life. It's doing something a little bit unusual. And um, and that's what makes it special. Yeah, so. and and you know you make some incredibly special films. I think the the ghost pepper eating contest uh, is it ghost pepper eating contest in Montgomery County? Uh, well, it's Jefferson County. Jefferson County. They're all presidents, aren't they? Uh, but uh, yeah, people people miss that reference sometimes. They say, "Well, I'm not from Jefferson County. Why should I care?" Well, no, it's it's. It, it, there's a reference to it's the the whatchamacallit of Calaveras County. Um, Incredible jumping frogs, Calaveras County. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. They they yeah, look. If you can't get the lit, literary reference and you're going to critique my film, I just just stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> and what what's amazing is that you've managed to uh, infuse each one of your films with sort of multiple phases you get the there's the since they've all been more or less contests uh at least the ones that i've seen i hope there's more hiding that you secretly made <laughs> but uh oh you sure, know i popped them out every other day oh perfect um but there's that espn influence to it in a degree i think that where you get that sort of particularly in the use mm-hmm. of text and specifically when you have commentators uh, mm, yeah and the commentators in the Ghost Pepperdine contest are brilliant. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Mike and Eric. Um, uh, I've known Mike and Eric for a long time. They are improv people. I actually um, – I used to run a charity kickball league with Eric. Eric is uh, – Eric's is usually kind of generally useless kind of guy, but if you can get him to show up and and – and be in one place at one time, which is really a struggle for him because he's just not good with responsibility. He's great because he actually, the kind of goofball, spacey character that he portrays, that's really who he is. Um, So he's not really acting all that much. Uh, Mike uh, does a really good job of the straight man and Mike, Mike does everything. He, he writes, he directs, he acts, he does improv, um, yeah, he does everything, and they're used to working with each other, so it's very easy to have them 
just um, when you can get, actually get them to show up to, uh, to do their bit because they are used to working together. And I really hope that, you know, we get picked up and I can, I can put them to work more often, although I don't know if Eric really would like working that much. But, um, but uh, if it can happen, happen, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and I think one of the great one of the great things about a pair of them is, you know, there's sort of the running gag now of the the sort of the dodgeball. Uh, you have this straight mm. man, and you have the uh, the out of it whack job. Of, yeah, and this didn't feel like that, though. If you boiled it down to syrup, it was that same formula. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. I mean that's that's a constant comedy formula. Whether it's Laurel and Hardy, whether it's uh, you know uh, the guys from MythBusters, Captain it's... and Neil. Yeah, totally. <laughs> who and who? What? The Captain and Neil. Absolutely, without question. So set that that role beautifully. Okay. Um. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, a joke is is way funnier when you have somebody who uh, realizes that the joke is uh, slightly off. Um, if if two people are doing it, it, it can work. But it's it's nice when you the everyman is somebody that you can uh, the general audience can just kind of say, "Aha! All right, see, so I'm not the only one who thinks this guy's crazy," see? or woman, exactly. as the case may be. Um, there, there are plenty of uh, examples of, of this all over, and it's uh, yeah, it works great. Yeah. Now, what is the weird little contest you wish you could be documenting? Oh gosh, I made a whole list of them because um, you know I'm going to start pitching this soon. Um, well, there are things like a cookie stacking competition. Now, if there's anything more silly and pointless than cookie stacking, I don't know what it is. Um, I think that's epic, and I think that deserves a sports center-esque kind of treatment. I mean, for me, this is part of the, the fun of it. You, you take a very unimportant event, and you portray it like it's the Super Bowl. Um, and in general, the Super Bowl kind of sucks. I mean, every now and then there's a good game, but it's, it's the pageantry. But... You know, if you do pageantry for something that's uh, sublimely pointless, uh, to me that that equals humor. Um, so that would be a good one. Actually, the guys who who did the um, the the cardboard boat races want to do a, I think it's a, um, uh, a Malibu Barbie uh, Jeep race. But they want to be able to put in their own propulsion to it, so Lord knows what they would do with that. And they want to do this at uh, at this sand and gravel pit and do it at night. And it sounds very kind of Thunderdome-esque. And well, okay, I mean, I just made the tall bike joust into a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, I, I guess we could keep with that theme and shoot that. So. Um, both of those would be great. Um, I don't know. There's so many. It, and that's the cool thing about this. If you tell somebody this is what you do and, you know, the first thing they think is like jackass or, you know, something like, no, 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 it's not jackass. They're competitions. They're, and, and I enjoy jackass. Nothing wrong with jackass. Um, but these are competitions that people organize and sort of do on their own. And there's a spirit of it. And they exist all over the world. Um, 
whether it's people doing cheese rolling down uh, downhill slash mountains and things of that nature, um, wherever people are are embracing that kind of silly spirit, I want to be there. That's that's damn near heartfelt, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Now, okay, so someone drives a dump truck of money. Let's say it's me. To you, okay, and says we want you to make a documentary about one professional wrestler in history. Who is it? Oh, oh gosh, you put me on the spot there, which is funny. Because um, uh, last night I just watched uh, the documentary on Glow, and that was really well done. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah, and that was something I actually watched, and. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the ones, the good ones that have already been done, like, uh, you know, you've seen the, the Ric Flair one. That was amazing. It was also horrifying at, at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind, um, I don't know if there's one specifically on the Road Warriors. Um, maybe there is. I haven't seen it. Uh, I thought that uh, Precious Paul Ellering was just amazing on the microphone and he spouted out some absolutely, it sounded profound, but the stuff didn't make any damn sense. Like, I was just listening to one where he's talking about, he starts off by saying, you know, uh, how the road warriors are invincible and all the rest of it. And then he starts talking about, so you've got a cat in the kitchen and it's, it's this is a cat that gets everything in it at once. You know what I'm saying, Telly Shivani? And and the cat one day sits on the hot uh, uh, thing on the oven, and it gets burned, and it will never sit on the hot eye on the oven, but it will also never sit on a cold eye on the oven. You know what I'm saying, Giovanni? Like, actually, no, we don't have a damn clue what you're talking about, man. So, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, if it hasn't already been done. Yeah, there's one, but it's not very good. Uh, so there's always room for more. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, there's great. a lot of those, actually. And actually, I just watched the first half of the Chris Benoit Viceland documentary. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is more about Eddie Guerrero than about Chris Benoit, honestly. Really? And it's great. It's so good. <laughs> I just discovered that last night, and I have the whole first season to watch of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I mean, I am in quarantine, so I guess I've got <laughs> the time to do it now. Um, yeah, the first season has two phenomenal episodes. It has one on uh, Bruiser Brody. That's great. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's not a happy story. No, no, none of them are. Um, and then there's a really good one on uh, – the guy with the, oh, yeah, Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the first one. I just turned it on last night, and I realized, oh, wow, this goes for an hour. It's, yeah. It's already 5 in the morning. Um, I've already lost track of time. I'm going to have to do this interview frightfully early tomorrow, which, I mean, it's 3 p.m. here, so it's pretty early for me. And um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. And like, oh, dear God, I'm going to have to start drinking before 3? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> hey, right. it's 2.15 everywhere sometime. <laughs> now I feel better about this. <laughs> you should. Um, 
But uh, no, I'm totally looking forward to watching that. I, I, it was highly entertaining to me a few years ago. I was dating, uh, I was dating a woman who uh, was younger and I didn't really know much about wrestling, and but she was kind of curious, and and so I actually gave her a what I considered the most important moments in wrestling history that I had witnessed, and so we got to go through YouTube, and I showed her. Um, you know, my favorite clips from um, Hulk Hogan beating the Iron Sheik to win the, the heavyweight title uh, to the, the Russians, um, the Koloff, uh to the Legion of Doom uh, being kind of the response to that. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of him or not, but I found Goldberg, uh, even though like oh, yeah. his fights were over within two or three minutes, um, Tremendous. Had to have Ric Flair in there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, his wrestling ability was one thing, but I just had to put on for a while. And I, here's how he talks every day. And if you watch the documentary of his life, this is apparently how he lived. <laughs> so he wasn't really acting. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I that was the, actually uh, a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually, I, Vanessa and I have watched very little wrestling together. Uh, we do WrestleMania every year, and we... I will often have her watch like little bits and pieces, yeah. but the one thing we did watch together was a uh, a Ric Flair match uh, versus Shawn Michaels, the WrestleMania retirement match. Mm. And she was watching it and like commenting on like, oh, you know, he's doing this, and there's like artistry, and I'm bawling because it's like this is the most, this is the end of an era, and it's. He says he loves him, and then he kicks him, and you know, <laughs> the beauty of it. <laughs> well, that was actually, I mean, when I was younger, and, and I didn't know that, I mean, uh, when you're a little kid and you're first watching wrestling, I mean, you, you don't know that it's necessarily not real. I mean, the, the cat's out of the bag at this point. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, but, you know, when you're first watching it, you don't know that this is not a, a work, that this isn't theater. Uh, they all say that now. Um, mm-hmm. But when you get older and you're watching it, uh, you watch it for the pageantry of it. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, a lot of that is just great fun. And um, that's, I mean, honestly, that is something that I, I, that is an inspiration for the films I do. I mean, these are, these are people doing their, doing their theater and they're, you know, they're very, uh, especially some of them are amazing athletes and are able to put their bodies through things that would not be possible for most human beings. And you have to respect that. But, in, in, you know, in a larger scale of things, what they're talking about is really not that important. And I love the fact that every time they step up, what they're talking about and who they are is the most important life-changing thing in the world. Forget about, like, pandemics and all that kind of stuff. They don't care about any of that. It's, you know, their moment at the mic is the most important thing. And so it's that pageantry that, you know, in, in a way I try to bring into my films and I, I try to make uh, uh, similarly ridiculous. And you do it so well. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hey, I have a child's rear end to deal with. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. 
there's no good way to respond to it. May I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, assuming CineQuest does happen this uh, this summer, will you be there? I will, absolutely, without question. Okay. Because I met a number of filmmakers who were really looking for, oh, no, you got to meet these, these people. And um, they said, okay, when are they coming? Well, next weekend. Well, and then next weekend didn't happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, Anyway, so I told many a story of you, and I, I, I showed a little clip of when we were, um, I was there with the ghost pepper film, and we were eating, uh, well, we were drinking the ghost pepper vodka at the, oh. uh, the filmmaker um, VIP whatever kind of room. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how y'all did that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been day drinking for a while, so... <laughs> Well, if you only do it once a year, I guess you have to make up for it. Exactly. But, um, you know, I, uh, I hope that it happens, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm probably speaking for a lot of filmmakers. We, we worked really hard, and we, we hope that, uh, that we get a chance to show people our films. And, oh. and obviously there are more important things going on, um, but... Um, effectively like we had a work in progress screening of the tall bike joust at at uh, sidewalk well it's going to be about a year between screenings so i kind of you know cinequest was going to be our our real world premiere mm. just going to take a little longer yeah and i blame i blame myself for it i i shouldn't have opened that pandora's box but uh yeah, well, I'd hope we'd get to at least show everything once, and I don't. We didn't get to show Docs, did we? Oh no, no, we I hadn't screened yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Did you get okay. Did you get to meet Lisa Stock? I don't think so. Uh, dyslexia. All names are. You'd have to show me a face. Yeah, she did the movie called Prodigal's Road, uh, short film, mm-hmm. and she came out from New York, and I was. So looking forward to meeting her, and then Vanessa got sick. <laughs> just, I think uh, she did it on purpose. Almost certainly. I don't think there's a question about it. <laughs> Look, honey, if you if you try to go to the festival, I'm going to break my wrist. <laughs> I, I'm going to call you on that, honey. <laughs> and you know I what? warned you. She did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully she heals, and um, hopefully, I, I did leave a when y'all are not in quarantine. I did leave a mystery uh, bag of of gifts from Alabama, which was kind of funny. Um, uh, uh, somebody I, I had uh, an old friend that I reconnected with um, asked me shortly before I was going to Cinequest, like, "Are you packed yet?" And and I I looked at the bag and I realized the things that I packed and I mean you you must know what I brought you I, I brought you barbecue sauce from Alabama yeah there's um, no doubt <laughs> yeah so I said to her well uh, let's see I've got two bottles of bourbon and I think three or four bottles of barbecue sauce so as far as I'm concerned everything else is just gravy so yeah I'm pretty well packed. <laughs> That's all I need for Cinequest. This is what they expect from a guy from Alabama. That's exactly right. <laughs> Although, you know, they, I will say this, and you should probably go, but I love how every festival I go to, people ask me, like, so are you heading back to L.A. after the festival? Uh, no, I don't live in L.A. 
oh, well, where do you live? Um, I live in Alabama. And they always kind of give me this second look, and they're like they're trying to figure me out. And I guess because I don't have much of an accent because my mom's from Brooklyn. Um, but I, I get fed up with it, and eventually I say, look, I know what you're thinking right now. Like, <laughs> he, he speaks so well. He seems so high-functional. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I know we just got running water in Alabama and it's just, it's a big surprise and, you know, we don't know what to do with it. And I'm the first member of my family who can walk and spit at the same time. It's like good times here. <laughs> well, that, that sounds like the, uh, the right note to end on. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they talk about prejudice. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's okay. Us Californians were too busy staring into our crystals and, I don't know, fucking whales, I guess. <laughs> hey, if that's what you're into, I, I'll do a documentary of it. <laughs> we have to make it a contest, which we do anyhow. Oh, God. <laughs> cool. Hey, thanks for talking, Sam. This is awesome. <laughs> hey, always a pleasure. I will see you, uh, I will see you in August. Yes, you will. <laughs> okay. Right, thanks, man. Ciao. Okay, bye-bye.